Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn, for this podcast on a Sunday, the first weekend of summer. I uh, hope everybody out there is enjoying their weekend and enjoyed their week. We have a lot to do uh, in terms of the NBA. We'll go through all the trades and, of course, some things that kind of stood out from draft night. And look ahead to uh, the free agency, which is coming up in a couple of days here. Well, uh, next this time next week or July 30th, excuse me, not July 30th, June 30th into July 1st. Obviously, the big, one of the big trades um, from a contender was the Boston Celtics moving moving off Marcus Smart. Uh, the Celtics acquire Porzingis, uh first-round picks in 23 and 24 uh, with the 2024 pick from the Warriors as a first-round top-four protected. Um, Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. Wizards get Tyus Jones, Daniel Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and draft rights to Julian Phillips, who was the number who ended up being the number thirty-five pick. We're here with the Wizards um, aspect uh, later on in the program. We have a whole segment about what the Wizards are doing. I know everybody seemingly just either doesn't understand or just you know isn't paying attention to uh, what the Wizards are doing, actually doing it the right way. But we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about this from a Celtic perspective because during the playoffs. I thought that if the Celtics did not get to the NBA Finals or didn't win the championship, that this type of move could be coming. Now, Marcus Smart could be in play. Uh, never, they never, they, of course, they're never going to trade Jalen Brown or 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 Jason Tatum. Of course, he's their number one guy. But I thought Marcus Smart would be the guy. He's still relatively young. He still has a, has a lot of value. Um, but they're they're going long enough uh, with this particular core. So I thought that. If anyone was going to get traded, he would be one of the prime, one of the guys that could um, that would be on that could be uh, put in play. Um, listen, I like I'm a Marcus Smart fan. I think he's a very good player. He's a leader. He's a he's as tough as they come. He is a legit top perimeter defender in the league. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have won Defensive Player last year, but he's a legit All NBA caliber defensive player. Uh, in this league, and he's still relatively young. I mean, Smart is what twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, has some miles on him, but relatively still, relatively durable, and, and still young. So he had value, and but you have Derek White. Um, you can find a point. It's not. It's very easy finding uh, a point guard in this league. It's not. It's not hard at all. There's a number of point guards in this league that you can find. And the bottom line is this. And this is going to be this has been going to be a recurring theme throughout the course of the offseason, throughout the course for the NBA moving forward. This it becomes a money situation. Um, the bottom line is they the Celtics are more than likely going to give Jalen Brown, both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the Superbacks. You're talking about six hundred million dollars in, into being being put into into those two players. So you can't pay everybody. You get back a Porzingis. Now, listen, I understand that Porzingis has not been he he has not been the most durable player in the league. He's had he's last year probably was one of his better years as far as staying on the floor. He probably could have even played more if the if the Wizards were actually interested in you know winning or knew what the hell they were doing. But anyway, 
quietly Porzingis had a all-star caliber season last year. He had his best season of, of his career, though it being on being on a team that was going nowhere. He is a rim he could he's a rim protector. He uh he's improved his shooting. He's an athletic big that can put the ball on the floor. Porzingis' talent has never been like questioned. It's just been his durability per se. No, is he a classic post-up player? No, but that's like 95% of the league doesn't post up anymore. So that's not it's not a big deal. Um, I like Porzingis. I think with the right type of culture, with the light, right leadership around them, in terms of coaching, uh, guys, veteran guys around him that have been in the NBA Finals, I think he could flourish. The thing is him staying on the floor. That's the biggest part of this. Is this a move that had to be done? No. Like if the Celtics would have came back standing pat, I wouldn't not I wouldn't knock them for coming back to to stand pat. To be honest with you, because I don't think their problem was a personnel issue. I think their problem was more internal with the lack of experience from a coach, with some of the stuff that was going on that went on with Udoka, some of that stuff, the some of that stuff that 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 did not. Um, that could have, that I thought affected them throughout the course of the season. And listen, you can't take away, you, you can't just dismiss losing your coach in essence right before the season starts. Like I, that, that cannot be lost on the fact that they could not finish the deal and get to get to the NBA Finals with a with a rookie coach. So the Celtics had a lot going against them last last season. Um, but you knew a move was coming. Like you knew, like they the Celtics had. The Celtics are the the they are the epitome of a team that is had that is in win now mode. The Celtics have to win next year. They have to get to the NBA Finals. They have to win the championship next year. But they are like they they are it is like I don't say now or never, but it's kind of, it's kind of it's kind of maybe now or never because once you give Jalen Brown that supermax and then the following offseason twenty twenty four have to pay Jason Tatum the supermax. Then you're gonna lose some more pieces off your team, and you're gonna to have to go into mode into a mode to where you basically better be hitting on graphics. You better be hitting on player development, like we've been talking about the, over the last couple of podcasts. So, with this, what this move does, it gets you a player that I think can fit into your system as far as a guy that can not he can read. They like three point shooters. He can he's a decent three point shooter, respectable, not great. He, he's a rim protector. Um, he's a guy that can score the basketball. He's a he's a pretty good rebounder. Is he a playmaker? Is he in terms of assist guy playmaker? No, that's not his strength. But you had like Jason Tatum. You have you have guys that could be playmakers on the team. Jason Tatum, Derek White, of the world. Uh, they got enough guys that can move the ball. They're ball. They're based on ball movement anyway. They're not based on one on one players. They're, so they're not looking for Zingas to be, you know, play ISO ball with with Porzingis. Now, with Smart, less. are you losing the leader, the heart and soul in terms of leadership of your locker room? Absolutely. Uh, the the quintessential intangible guy? Sure. No question. Are you losing probably without, along with Jason Tatum, your best playmaker as far as pure, as far as passer? Yes. Yes, he is. So it's not like, this is not like, this wasn't a no-brainer trade. Like, you, to get a, a to get, think about what the Celtics got, right? They got two first-round picks, and they got a, a a guy who has all star caliber talent in Porzingis. In order to get that, you have to give up something. That's just the way it is. Like more times than not, you're gonna have to give up something. So 
I like the trade. I don't love it. It wasn't a slam dunk. It wasn't. It's not like a slam dunk. They had to do this, but I understand why they did this. And look, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Porzingis uh, will come off the books after next year with the salary of of a salary of thirty six million dollars. So again, you have to factor that in. And the bottom line, and you saw the Celtics on draft night make all these moves to acquire picks in lower rounds and what have you. At one point, you lost track of how many moves they were making. But in essence, what they were doing is they're going to have to be like, and a lot of teams are going to have to do this. They are going to have to accumulate a number of draft assets. They're going to have to hit on some of these draft picks and go from there. They're going to, you know, get, they're going to get, they cannot, they're not going to be able to go out there and get expensive veterans or pay everybody that's currently on their roster. Their roster at a certain point will not be as talented as it has been the last couple of years. This probably will be the last year they have a stacked roster. Because under with the current CBA coming and with some of the, you know, these tax aprons, first aprons, second aprons, and luxury tax, and with the luxury tax situation, you, you're just, you just not going to be able to maneuver the way they, and that's not just for the services, this is for anybody. You're just not going to be able to maneuver. We're spending a number, we're spending the type of money that you were able to spend before this new CBA came along and the Celtics, this is the reality for every one of the 30 teams in the league. Uh, and the Celtics are trying to get ahead, you know, get, get a head start on that from that standpoint. So I like the trade. Um, I understand why they did it. Uh, I think that, you know, I, again, I think smart from a Memphis standpoint, I think it's a home run for Memphis to be honest with you, because yeah, I like Tyus Jones, but Tyus Jones is not Marcus Smart. Like, like Tyus Jones is not as good. It's not nowhere near as good as player as Marcus Smart. And from a Memphis standpoint, this was absolutely it was a no brainer. You're talking about getting a uh, you're talking about getting a guy who is uh, been one of the best defensive uh, uh, point guards in the league. He's been to the finals. He's won playoff series. He will command respect in that locker room, and they need some maturity. In that locker room, they need they need some uh, an adult. He is a he is absolutely an adult in that locker room. Like he will bring some leadership to that locker room. He will hold guys accountable. He will get in guys' faces. He will quit. He 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 will get in John Moran's face once he gets back. Um. So that that is the he is a perfect perfect player of a uh, that they that that met that Memphis Grizzlies needed a veteran presence who can play. Not just one of these guys. You know, you get get some of these guys. Nowadays, because of you get some of these guys uh, who are veteran players who are not any good anymore, and let's be honest, like if you're not in the rotation, if you're not barely playing, these younger players, especially the younger star players, are not going to respect you as much. They're just not. That's all it is to it. It's just not like. And right now, that culture, the Memphis culture, is shaky at best. Um, he adds to that to that culture, so that their culture. Yes, they improved as a team. On the court, they improved on the court, and they also improved in the locker room, I would say, with this trade uh, for the Grizzlies. Um, and let's be honest, uh, Smart, is his contract is, doesn't have a – it's not a bad contract. When you look at his contract, it's not – he's not making a – like, it's not a it's, – it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team-friendly contract considering the type of the caliber player he is. He absolutely will uh, hold down the fort until uh, John Moran gets back. Now, when John Moran does get back, 
you know, you look at what they have on the floor with a possible starting line. We talk about Java Rand, Marcus Smart, Jaron Jackson, um, leaving out Dane, and uh, let's say Stephen Adams. There's not a lot of that. That's not a lot of shooting. Um, to be honest with you, now you could plug in uh, the new guy uh, that was that got hurt. Uh, and you know, you plug him in, that's more shooting, but they don't have a lot of shooting. Uh, they don't have a lot of shooting now. They have a they are they defensively become exponentially better defensively, like smart as a top tier defensive player. But that's something the shooting is going to have to be addressed, uh, in order for them to go to the next level. But I just this to me was a absolute no brainer deal, um, for the uh Boston Celtics, I mean, for. The Memphis Grizzlies. Let's get to the Chris Paul going to Golden State um, deal because that kind of caught a lot of people off by surprise. Not so much Chris Paul got traded, but the fact that he got traded to Golden State. So Chris Paul goes to Golden State uh, for Jordan Poole. Um, so Chris Paul goes to Golden State for Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, and a protected first round pick in 2020 and 2030 and a second rounder in 2027. Chris Paul has an expiring contract of $30 million that will be coming off the books uh, after this season. Jordan Poole had four years at 120. Jordan Poole's new, new extension was kicking in at four years, $128 million. A couple things here. Number one, um, this was absolutely a anti. It was more about anti-Jordan Poole than this was about pro Chris Paul. Um, Jordan Poole, you know, was awful in the playoffs. He uh took a, took a step back, had a good regular season, but was very was bad in the playoffs, and it didn't help that of course he got punched in the face, um, in the preseason uh, in October. We all it's been well detailed what happened here in Draymond Green. Bottom line is, we we could see we could see this coming that he was the guy that was going to get moved. Uh, with everything that transpired, they were not going to choose. There's no way in the world that that organization was going to choose to be Jordan Poole over Draymond Green, especially considering the influence of, of one Steph Curry. That just was not going to happen. So they choose. They couldn't bring both of those guys back. They just couldn't. You just couldn't do it. Like in that locker room, and even Draymond Green admitted as much. Steve Kerr, to a lesser extent, admitted, admitted as much as that. How much that had an effect on their season, and it just it just did. Now, did it cost them a championship? Not gonna go that far. I don't think the team was 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 quite good enough. But you, I mean, you just can't it, like that 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 dynamic, that chemistry. Someone gets punched in the face, and you have to work with them every day for the better part of what six or seven months. Like that, it's just it's just not a good situation. Um, Jordan Poole having a terrible postseason made it easier. They get off his contract. Of course, we know the financial situation with the Golden State Warriors. They are a absolute an absolute repeater tax candidate, to say the least. They're on pace to go past that second tax window. They are going to struggle to get under that second tax window, even with this deal, because they have so many guys making big time money. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Draymond Green. Listen, I think I don't see Draymond Green leaving going to state because I just don't think there's a great market out there for Draymond Green. Now, there's one team that we'll talk about that has the potential to pay Draymond Green, but 
I would have to see it to believe it for him to, to go and uh, to go to that particular team. Even though it would it would make some sense, but I would have to see Draymond Green leave Golden State to believe it. But Golden State right now, this deal, you know, you bring from a basketball standpoint, yeah, you bring in you know Chris Paul and his basketball IQ, and I don't not sure how much of of we're gonna see. Not sure of how much we're gonna see. Chris Paul and Steph on the floor at the same time in the regular season. I'm not like I don't know if you can play two guard. I can you play Steph at the two guard? Off. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this uh, like that's it, they'll be very small with those two on the floor at the same time. I think this is more about in terms of you know this would be more about uh, the non Steph minutes. When he's off the floor, Chris, you have a guy who's a future Hall of Fame point guard, who's a who's a professional playmaker, who is a guy who, who does not turn over the ball. Obviously, has a high basketball IQ. That's more about to me from a basketball point standpoint how much that would benefit Golden State and a guy who's been in a lot of post big games, been in the NBA Finals. If you you know if you can keep him upright for the postseason, meaning he shouldn't be playing no more than 20 to 25 minutes in the regular season, then then you have something. Then you certainly have an upgrade uh, over Jordan Poole. But to me, the main thing, besides Chris Paul, the, the, the two biggest reasons why this deal was made was they get Jordan Poole off the team uh, and for money and for financial, financial considerations. Those are the two biggest reasons why I think this deal was made off the team or made was made uh now why this deal was made uh Chris Paul being on the team would be the third. Like I don't think that they were like targeting Chris Paul in this offseason. I mean I just want to be honest with you. I don't think Chris I think they, you know, when Chris, I think they saw opportunity when Chris Paul was traded to Washington, it was an opportunity because knowing that the Washington Wizards would, would have no interest in keeping Chris Paul more than likely and would want to move him. Uh Golden State takes advantage of um uh, from that standpoint and moves um and moves uh Chris Paul and moves Chris Paul to uh Golden State. So those were the two big moves that were made. Of course we, we had a number of smaller moves that were cash that were you know that were uh made on draft night. And again, if you really pay attention, the majority of those moves that were made during draft night were for financial consideration for this new up-and-coming CBA. That's all there is to it. They like that. Those were the reasons. Those were the number one reasons why some, a lot of those moves were made. Even with the Denver Nuggets getting acquiring a first-round pick, they probably won't be able to sign Bruce Brown. They get a guy who they can develop. They have had a great culture of developing talent over the course of their recent history with Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jokic, and not Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., um, yeah, Jokic, and also Jamal Murray. So that will uh, that's going to be again. That's you're going to see. That's going to be a, certainly a recurring theme, and teams are going to have to make sure that you know. To, you listen, you're going to have to draft well. You're going to have to have to develop talent. G League, Europe. You know, you're going. That's 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 the way. That's the, this this new NBA that we're in right now is going to expose a lot of front office. Is that exactly and that? You know, there are a number of front offices that were suspect as it is, as is as far as how they did business, as far as developing talent, how they spent money. It is going to you like the cream is really going to rise to the top in terms. You're going to really see who knows what they're doing 
with the way the NBA is going to be uh, is going to go and do conduct business moving forward. Um, as far as uh, so, the Wizards have the Wizards have made a number of moves since Michael Winger took over, um, and they've received some criticism that I frankly just don't understand. Uh, so the Wizards, this is what the Wizards have done. Uh, they get five second-round picks and four first-round pick swaps from Phoenix for Bradley Bill. Um, they get Tyus Jones on the expiring contract, Landry Shamit, Mike Muscala, Donnell, Danilo Gallinari, all on expiring, expiring contracts. So that, if you want up all those expiring contracts, that comes out to about 25, well over $30 million of expiring contracts. You get uh, you get a talented scorer in Jordan Poole, who whose contract as the years go along will not look as bad. They won't. They won't. Uh, they have a trade asset possibly in Kyle Kuzman if they decide to do a sign trade with him, or he might just outright leave as a free agent, which is fine as well. They had I don't think they had any intentions on resigning him. On resigning him, they still have a chance to get to get some of assets. Or draft picks for him per se. This is how you rebuild if you're the Wizards. So like this, this is and they draft and they draft a guy. Uh, they get a guy who played on the same team as Victor Wembanyama, who a lot of people thought has a big upside. Now a lot of people thought that this was, was a whiskey. His name is um, what's up? His name here, uh, Balal Kola Kolabali, Balal Kolabali, number seven pick. Now, again, a lot of people thought that this was a risky move considering that he might, he's kind of green and still very young and has a lot, of, you know, some some offensive, um, still uh, maybe offensively challenged, but physical size, the athleticism, obviously uh, a lot of people were high on him. If you're going to, I mean, if you're going to take a risk on a player at the seventh pick, the, the perfect pick to do that is, is the number seven pick. Like after once you got past the first three picks, there was or the first three picks, there was no you could have took swings. And I guess the the Thompson twins, once you got past, I could say the first five picks, then all bets are off. Like you could take some swings at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and what have you. Once you got past those first five picks, which seemed to be in lock those the first five picks seemed to be kind of like locked in stone, especially the first especially the first three picks. So this is how you rebuild the NBA team. You don't mess around trying to do the halfway middle ground to where we're trying to compete for a playing spot, but also we want to, you know, develop our young talent. No, no, no. If you're going to go full rebuild, then you go all in for rebuild. And the Wizards have gotten rid of all the players that they need to get rid of, traded like they – they had no use for Bradley Bull, Porzingis, Kuzman, Chris Paul. They didn't have any use for any of those players, and none of those players were going to take them to take them anywhere in regards to being a contending team. So now you're in a situation where you have acquired a number of assets, quick swaps, um, draft picks, and you should have a, you should have some cap space moving forward once somebody's got once these, especially once these expiring contracts come off the board. Uh, after the season, and you have in Tyus Jones with these expiring contracts, you have some trade, some more trade assets. There will be a number of teams 
that will be looking at Tyus Jones in the during uh, when the when the draft, excuse me, when the uh, trade deadline comes around in uh, in twenty twenty four. All right, there will be some teams that that will need a a quality backup point guard who can play and who can play in the playoffs, who can play meaningful minutes. Tyus Jones is a valuable asset to have as a young top backup point guard who's capable of, who is capable more than capable of starting. By the way, Landry Shamit. $11 million coming off the books is a guy, veteran guy who some teams may be looking at to trade for. Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, if he can come back relatively healthy, who's a proven scorer in this league? Who knows? He might come back and average 15, 20 points next year. Because like when he's been healthy, he can score. The guy can flat out score. That like he was a he's a born scorer. He just hasn't been able to stay on the floor. So this is how, to me, how you do it. If you're the Wizards, you develop your young talent. Um, we'll see. Now, again, in order to get over the hump here, you gotta, you, they're going to have to hit on some of these picks. The, the Bilal pick, uh, Jordan Poole has to play well. They had, you know, they, they're going to have to hit on some of these, especially on some of these draft picks moving forward. But the hard part is done. Like, they've got the, the hard part is getting under, uh, getting from under, all these bad contracts and getting and clearing your space out. That is the first step. First step is not, I know I say the hard part is of course, land landing a franchise caliber player. That's the hard part. But the first step of rebuild of their rebuild is complete. And they've done it to me flawlessly. Um, now, you know, I hear about a lot about where well, they should have traded Bradley Bill last year. They could have got more for them. I just want to know how that would have looked with a guy who had a no trade clause. They got as much as they were going to give for Bradley Bill, considering that he had a no trade clause. Now, should he have ever had a no trade clause? No, that was the previous regime, and they were incompetent. We know how incompetent they were. This regime were not giving Bradley Bill a no trade clause. Again, I promise you, it just wouldn't happen. But if you're going to rebuild. This is how you rebuild. Well, draft night, of course, the biggest winner of draft night is, is the San Antonio Spurs. Like that goes without saying. They get a generational talent. Um, or there's, there's been already overreaction to this to this guy's every move. This is going to have to be. This is, this is going to this is going to be how it is. Um, you know, he, they have a video of him taking jump shots on the San Antonio in the San Antonio Spurs uniform, and he's missing some mid range shots, and his people are already overreacting. But whatever. They they are the biggest winner of the winners of the draft. As far as when you get the best player, when you get a player who is a without question to me going to be a transcendent superstar in this league, I think he's going to be able to play at a high level right away. You love the mentality, you love the mindset, the the family background, the whole nine. He has everything going for him, and it's, to me, there's no question that this guy is going to be a superstar. And he's with an organization that knows how to build around franchise transcend, transcendent talented centers or big men um so they were the biggest winner winners on draft night now a couple of things that happened on draft night that were interesting number one this was now this should not have been a big surprise brandon miller going over scoot Hender, going uh being drafted over scoot henderson with the number two pick a lot of people thought there were many people that had it henderson rated higher than brandon miller uh in terms of his upside but the bottom line is Brandon Miller is 6'9", Scoot Henderson is 6'1". And I'm not, like, I can see this thing going either way. I, I think this is going to be one of those situations where there's going to be a winner in this and there's going to be a loser in this. Because I don't trust Michael Jordan in terms of his ability to identify talent. 
just look at the body of work, look at the history, look at the body of work. It speaks for itself from that standpoint. And just to show you how this not dysfunctional and just how bad of an organization Charlotte has been, Uncle Jordan makes a decision and he's on his way out the door. Like he sold the majority of his of, the, of his stake. Of his, he sold the majority of the team. Like he oh he's a minority owner right now. He's not a majority. Like he doesn't. He no longer. You know this deal goes through. He no longer will be the, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. He sold the majority of his stake. Uh, you know to another to another owner. Yeah, like like he sold it, but he still has the power to make a decision that will affect them moving forward in the future. Which just shows you that they just have absolutely have no clue. I as, as a prospective owner, I'm not allowing that to happen. Like, no, you're not. I'm buying the team. I'm making the decision along with Miss Cupcheck in terms of who we draft. Like, you're not going to have say in terms of who we draft. Like, I just I don't see how any owner, incoming new owner, would allow that. But anyway, that's why they have been in a position that they've been in. So from that standpoint, you say, you know. I can make a case to take Scoot Henderson over Brandon Miller. The the out the stuff that happened at Alabama with with Brandon Miller worries me, as far as his character. That standpoint, I, that stuff kind of has kind of gotten swept under the carpet. Just, you just go do the research on yourself on what on what happened with that case, uh, what happened with that particular case, and like I just we just we just gonna forget about that. But from a basketball standpoint. I don't like, I'm not big, again, I know Scoot Henderson, people are comparing Scoot Henderson to Russell Westbrook and some guys. Russell Westbrook is 6'3", Scoot Henderson is 6'1". Small guards in the NBA, I'm not into the way the game is played, and a lot of these guys have to switch on big men like Jokic or like Giannis. I'm looking, if you're looking to win a championship, you're building a team to win a championship, and you think that this guy's a franchise guy, you have to think that way. Can he defend picking rolls and switches in a playoff series against some of the best players in the world, big men or or even bigger players. Like you have you have to have that mentality as a general manager, as a personnel guy, if you're gonna make this draft if you're gonna if, if you're gonna uh, make this draft pick. Brandon Miller is six nine, Scoo Henderson Henderson is six one, and I don't think that there's a major difference in terms of talent. Like I don't think Scoot Henderson is that much more talented than Brandon Miller. So I from that standpoint, I understand why uh Charlotte made the move for Brandon Miller. Scoot Henderson goes to uh first appointment. I don't think that he and Dame Lillard will ever step 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 on the court together. Um, I just again that's another small backcourt, like six one, six three. Like like that that I don't see how that like I, I don't see that being a fit, number one. And number two, more importantly, I don't see Dame Lillard accepting the fact that you drafted this guy that you're not on the same time. We're not on the same timeline. Like he's what, whatever, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. Dame Lillard is 32, 33. Dame Lillard is trying to win right now. So I, I like, I don't think Dame Lillard will, may not publicly demand a trade, but I, I, I just can't see Dame Lillard not being traded before the season starts. I don't think either one of these guys plays I don't think that he, Dame Lillard, and Scoot Henderson will play on the same team. We'll play. We'll step on the floor together. I will say. Um. So a couple of things. Uh. So no big trades on no star trades like no Lillard, Williamson, Bam Adebayo. We never believed that was going to happen. So none of those guys get traded. Doesn't mean that they won't get traded. 
But as of right now, those guys are, are going to be with their respective teams. Uh, Bam is not going to get traded, so that's out. Dude. That's that's out. But you no, know, Lillard and Zion Williamson have are have yet to be traded. I think for the season that Lillard will be traded. Myself, um, looking ahead to free agency, uh, you have a situation where you have a number. You have some big name guys, some aging stars who. Are kind of are I, I think it'd be very interesting to see where they're going, where they go. With James Harden, Draymond Green, Chris Middleton's, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving's. Now, out of those guys, I think the guy that would could have the biggest impact on the team would be in terms of winning would probably be Draymond Green. To be honest with you. And he would be the guy, and and we'll get back to this is what Sacramento did. Sacramento made some moves where they cleared up uh, on draft night with some trades that they cleared up thirty five million dollars in cap space. And there's a lot of belief with the Mike Brown Draymond Green connection that they're going to go after Draymond Green. So you can keep your eyes on that. Um, the Harden, the Houston thing is a is a real thing. We know, we understand that. Uh, Chris Milton, be very interested to see where Chris Milton ends up because if you're Milwaukee, again, Milwaukee, I don't think you can afford to pay Chris Milton 30 to, 30 to $35 million a year and maintain and fill out the rest of your roster with getting guys that can help you get back to the NBA Finals. Um uh, I don't like. I don't think that they could bring back both Chris Milton and Brooke Lopez. And you say to yourself, "Well, which one is more valuable?" I mean, probably Chris Milton is probably more valuable, but he has been. He is old. He is older. They're older, not older, but he's he's been injury prone over the last couple of years. And Brooke Lopez would be cheaper. Like people are not overpaying for big men like that, so. I think it's more likely that Lopez will be back and they will and Milton will not to myself. I had to pick which one of those guys will be back. Milton can help a team, but he's had, you know, uh, he's had some injury issues over the past couple of seasons. He has not played a lot of basketball. And that's something that you have to take consideration if you're gonna give him uh just this almost max money, which he's going to demand considering he's like a three time, you know, basically a three time all star and NBA champion. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to be signed with Dallas. I don't see any other team. I, even I don't think the Lakers are going to make a super play for Kyrie Irving. I don't think he's taking a pay cut to to rejoin to to join the Lakers and play with LeBron. I think Dallas is out of desperation will go after Kyrie. Will resign uh, Kyrie Irving. So, and in terms of Russell Westbrook, I don't know. Like I honestly don't have a feel for where for what type of team with. with would go after Russell Westbrook um, if he's not willing to take a substantial pay cut. So it really depends on what is he willing to play for, play for uh, that where in terms of where he ends up. So we will see what happens with uh, free agency. Uh, it's coming up in a couple of days. You're gonna hear there, there could be some trades leading up to free agency. Uh, we'll definitely talk about it on this program. I I just wonder how much money is gonna be is gonna be given out considering the situation uh, with this new CBA. Uh, they're not that many teams that have a lot of cap space. They're about three or four teams. Houston, Detroit has a little bit. Uh, Sacramento has created a lot. 
Uh, Oklahoma City has some, though they they gave away some of that with some of the moves they made on draft day, but they still have about $15, $60 million in cap space. So, and I, again, I don't expect Oklahoma City to go after somebody like one of these guys. All right, if they're going to go after somebody, they'll go after uh, probably a cheap veteran or somebody like that to add some uh, for, for some leadership in that locker room considering they have so many young ladies. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will talk to you in a couple of days. Have a great rest of your weekend.